Well, thank you, preacher. And it's always uh, our joy and, and honor to be here at uh, White Oak Baptist Church. We have uh, let you know we've personally been praying for you, and and we understand that uh, transitions are never easy. Uh, one for one that's leaving, and the one that's coming, and those all of you that are here. So, uh, but by God's grace, we can do it, and you can do it. And uh, you're not looking at what used to be; you're looking forward to what God's going to do. And uh, I believe that when God gives marching orders, He doesn't give reverse orders. He gives marching forward orders. And uh, I've learned over the years, we've had to do transitions in ministry. We've had to do transitions in our church uh, when I left and someone else came in. And, and it's always exciting to me to see how God's going to use the next stage of ministry. And uh, it, it's not time to, to look around and say, well, you know, uh, what do you want to say? But it's time to look forward and say, well... God is in control, and it's good to see Miss Miss Patty tonight and the family. And we've pray, been praying for them as well. I called Mother Peslak a couple of weeks back and said, "Hey, just wanted to know we love you. We're praying for you." Understand, God gives your friends in ministry. Amen. We've dedicated a lifetime to helping others, not only nationals as we served in Spain, but to help discourage missionaries. Discourage pastors to encourage them to keep going on for the Lord. And if you know in us you have a friend who want to encourage you as you move forward that God would in some way continue to use this church in a mighty way to reach your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that God instituted the local church to carry out his great commission to a lost and dying world. And we don't have to be involved. We get to be involved. We have the privilege of being involved in the greatest organism in this world called the local church. And God has placed us in a, in a unique situation to where we can be used of God to reach untold millions of people uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ if we only place ourselves in the way. Paul said, I be in the way the Lord led me. And we need to put ourselves in the way that God would, uh, would uh, encourage us. To do what he needs to do. In Matthew chapter 9 tonight, and I want to take you to a very familiar passage of scripture. Again, it's been our joy and privilege to be with you. Uh, again, I want to be an encouragement to you and the things of the Lord. And we're talking about a missions revival, an, an attitude of, of stirring up our hearts and, and getting motivated to do what God wants us to do and get us to the point where, hey, God, can you use me? It's so easy for us to ask God, God, how can you use them? How can you use that person? Uh, that person has all the talent. That person has everything that needs to be done. Man, they'd be a good candidate. I, I don't want you to think about the other person. I want the question to be, God, how can you use me? Because I, I truly believe that once a person comes to realize that they're lost and, and receive Christ as a Savior, God has a special objective for you in life. God doesn't save you and say, hey, there you are, sit down and enjoy life. God has a purpose for every born-again believer. God has something for you to do, something that only you can accomplish. You are unique in Christ. And because we are unique in Christ, only you can do what God wants you to do. And so it's not about uh, really how about available I am or, or uh, how, how talented I am or, or what all the things I can do. It's about where am I in God's will? Am I doing exactly, am I exactly where God wants me to be in His will? 
Now we're talking about missions this week, and, and we're talking about uh, uh, being surrendered, and we're talking about giving a heart or having a heart. A verse that's been stuck in my mind the last couple of months is, My eye affecteth my heart. The things that we see, the things that we perceive, the things we look at, will, it will affect our heart. You ever seen these commercials on television about, about, the, about how to support a dog $18 a month? They'll show you the, the, the dingiest, scrawniest, more uh, malnutrition dog. And they say, for $18 a month, you can supply food for this dog. And, and people will give by droves to help a poor, dingy dog. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I don't, uh, I'm not, you guys love dogs, praise God bless you. I've got children, amen. So we just go there. Uh, my children cost me enough without having a dog in the home. Uh, but you know, if you're an animal lover and I, I can appreciate that. But folks understand, there are souls of men that require us to have a vision for their, their souls. We must have a vision for the lost and dying world. What our eye seeth affecteth our heart. My question tonight is, what do you see? What do you see? When you drive up down the, the highways and byways, you were traveling up here, uh, coming up, we went through, you know, several, many states to get here. And I was, uh, well, we made it through the traffic of Charlotte, made it all the way up through the mountains, and, and, we, and we got into on 95, and boom, traffic stopped. All the way to Connecticut, not one traffic jam till I got to Connecticut. Can you believe that? And you never face that, I understand. So we're coming up, and, and I looked around. All these people. The question is, how many really know? If they die today, they go to heaven. That motivates us, or should motivate us, to do something for the Lord. A very familiar passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter number 9. We begin reading in verse number 35. We'll read a couple of verses, give you, uh, take some time to pray, and we'll give you some thoughts on this uh, passage of Scripture. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 9, verse number 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he said unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. I'd like to speak to you tonight on this subject, making missions manageable. Making missions Manageable. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this evening. And Lord, we're honored to be in this place. Lord, we're honored to be able to proclaim the Word of God. And Lord, I pray tonight as we send forth the Word of God that it would not be me or my words or my ideas, that it would be your thoughts and, and your heart, Lord. We understand that nothing can be done apart from the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Lord, I pray tonight as we open up the bread of life, we might be able to encourage the believer, bring the lost to Christ, and Lord, might stir us up to have a vision for a lost and dying world. Lord, we are in a needy time in history. We are in a needy time in our country and in the regions beyond. Never have there ever been a greater opportunity to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. And Lord, we need to take advantage of that. Help us to be willing to do what's necessary to be used of God to reach a world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I like to make things manageable. I'm a very simple person. Uh, things get complicated when I have to read a lot of instructions. Like most men, when something we buy, uh, we may buy a new television or we might, we, might, we might buy something for our garage or something to fix. And, and the first thing that gets thrown out is the, is the manual. We like to figure it out ourselves. It's a man thing. I don't know what it is. But we like to figure it out. 
And so we, we'll work for hours and hours and hours, and all of a sudden we realize, where's that manual book? I can't quite get it. We have to go, we have to humble ourselves, get the manual book out, and try to figure out how to put that thing together. Well, understand, we've tried over the years to manage our missions programs like that. We try to figure out how we want to do it. And we want to, uh, we want it to go this, and we want it to do that, and we want to do this and get the gospel there. And we forget that God has a way that He wants us to do it. It's not my plan to, uh, to get the gospel out. It's not your pastor's plan to get the gospel out. It's God's plan. God designed the local church. God is, has uh, enabled you as a church uh, to be responsible and to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. He's given us a way to do that. Uh, he's, he's broken it down uh, so we can understand. Hudson Taylor said, said this, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. And I, I, all these years of ministry and serving God, uh, yes, there's been lean times and there's been uh, times where we don't have as much as other, but God has never failed and supply the needs of His ministry. God, I believe where God calls, He supplies. I believe where God will never send you someplace where you will not have any fruit of all. There's somebody that needs to hear the gospel. You remember where, where God took uh, Philip out of revival? Man, he was having a ball. Things were going great. People were being saved. And God said, hey, Philip, I want you to go down here to the desert. There was one soul. There's one soul. And he reached him with the gospel. And I believe that God, where God leads, you have somebody there that you can reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are we that available person? George W. Peter said this, God is a God of missions. He wills missions. He commands missions. He demands missions. He made missions possible through His Son. He made missions actual by the sending of the Holy Spirit. God leads and guides through the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He, he took our residence in our life when we, the moment we accept Christ. And we have all we need of God the moment we receive Christ. But then we need to put that into action and begin to work. I want to give you a couple of things tonight about uh, managing missions. Number one, we see verse number 35. We see the master's plan. Verse number 35 says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. God has a plan to reach this world. And the good thing about it, He's let you, you and I in on it. He, he could have chose the rocks. He could have chose the birds. He could have chose the animals. But He chose us to be involved. He allows you and I to participate. And, and we get the privilege of winning other people to Christ. And not only He gives us that privilege, but He gives us the privilege as a church to send them out to a lost and dying world so that others can hear the gospel. The things that you've been privileged with, the, the gospel that you've been privileged to hear, and the church you've been privileged to be a part of. He allows missionaries to go to foreign lands and be able to establish churches so they can have the opportunity to hear the gospel like you have. Amen. What an opportunity. What a privilege. Hudson Taylor stated, God isn't looking for people of great faith, but for individuals ready to follow Him. Someone said, we were talking about this today with, the, uh, uh, with them on the missionaries, that there used to be a trend that if you couldn't do anything else, if you, are, you, you failed at everything in, in life, be a missionary. Can I, can I tell you, can I, it's, it's a pet peeve, I won't say they're long. Uh, but let me help you with something. We need the best on the front lines. Amen. Amen. We were in the mission, uh, in the church down in Florida. It was myself and our pre-field administrator. And they gave us about five minutes apiece. There was about six of us to say something. 
And some of the other missionaries took, uh, you know, a lot longer than they should have. So it got down to our last administrator, uh, to our administrator, and he said, uh, he came up before the church, he says, you got good people, we want your best people, send them to us. He walked off. But that's what it is. We want good people prepared uh, that has a heart to reach a world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He gave us a plan. Number one, he says to go. Jesus went. We have to go. We have to be participating. We have to be active. We have to be doing something. You ever sit in a car and just turn that wheel and try to get to go somewhere? You, you don't accomplish anything. But you put that car in drive and, or in, if you got a stick shift, put it in first, right? And you go down the road and you begin to steer it. That car will go where you steer it. Unless you're on ice in Connecticut. Amen. Uh, but man, it'll go. It'll go. But, uh, that's, that's, that's the idea. We must be going, must be active, must be producing, doing something for God. Romans chapter 10 tells us, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I tell you what, I don't know much. I'm not the greatest preacher in the world, but i got some beautiful feet because I take the gospel around the world. And if you do the same, God will do for you. I was in a missionary conference, uh, and many of you know Dr. Jock Hudson. He was uh, my parents' pastor for years in Northside Baptist Church in Charlotte. And I remember as a kid, we used to go there for a missions conference when we come home furlough, and he would load everybody up in the bus. And he'd take us to the shoe store. Because he said, oh, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. He'd buy every one of those preachers, the missionary kids, new shoes. Because he believed that taking the gospel was important. There's a plan. We have to go. There's a plan. He says to go and, and to teach. He went around only on the business uh, uh, preaching, but he said he's teaching in their synagogues. I believe that, that has to do with creating personal relationships. You don't, don't, don't uh, win them and leave them. Uh, you, someone asked me, so, but Elias, what, what, what's the major thing you did on the mission field? Build relationships. My wife and I and our children would go out in the evenings and, and we'd walk along the parks and, and the people would come out because the apartments were small and, and they didn't have air conditioning, so they'd be out. Everybody went out at night. And we'd start our walk at about 8 or 9, 10 o'clock at night. And uh, that's, a, that's a normal thing. And we'd take our kids out. I know that's how terrible to take kids out at 10 o'clock at night, but they had a blast. <laughs> and so did we. And so we'd take them out and we'd sit out in the cafes and, and we would talk to people. And obviously I was not from there. I don't look very Spanish and I'm kind of tall and they're not. And so we would talk to them. They said, well, uh, you, you're from America. I said, yeah. And said, why would you come to Spain? Everybody wants to go to America. I said, well, I'm here because God sent me. Who's he? And I said, well, good thing you asked. And we begin to share the gospel with them. And people see us out every day and begin to build relationships. Oh, we started a church. Man, it took three years to get things rolling. But little by little, built, built relationship, brought people into church. It's about building relationships. Are you a real Christian? Does your testimony shine? So to teach, and he says then to preach, it means to build up, to build churches, establish churches. And then it says to heal. We don't do healing sessions on the mission field, but I, 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 I apply this to help ministries. There's more to church planning and just planning a church. Uh, we have Bible institutes. We have other types of ministries that aid the help of the, of the local church. And we have missionaries that are willing to go and have expertise in other areas where I may not have. And they'll come and they'll help with the Bible school or they'll help with the medical missions or they'll help with uh, different, uh, different aspects of ministry. Why? To grow the church so that people can hear the gospel. God has a plan. 
The plan is to use the local church and you support your missionaries and God has chosen to use, I believe, the most biblical way of doing it is through faith promise giving. God has supplied a way that we give uh, through by faith, trusting God as we give to, to supply for our needs. Now, some people teach it differently. Some people teach, well, uh, you 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 promise so much money and you wait around for God to drop that money in your plate and then uh, when He does, you give it. And then the question is, well, what if God doesn't give me the money? Well, that causes the issue. So I teach it like this. You promise to give something to the Lord, you give it. Amen. And trust God to supply your need. Amen. You know what? I've been doing faith promise since I was 10 years old. Amen. And I, I, I gave by faith. And when I was a kid, I gave by my dad's faith. <laughs> he, 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 taught us to, uh, he taught us to give. And I said, all right, if that's the way it is, I'll promise. And I promised so much. And he, he came to me after I gave my faith promise. He said, son... You don't earn that much. He gave me he gave me allowance. I said, "Well, I guess you have to help me up with my allowance, won't you?" <laughs> I was pretty sneaky, huh? And so, you know, God would supply my faith promise, and I would give. But all the years, as we begin to train our children, we had our own own life, our own ministry, and marriage, and our family. Uh, we begin to realize as we gave, God supplied in miraculous ways. I mean, I cannot begin to explain and, and share with you the, 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 the blessing it is to live day by day by God's grace and to show how He supplied our needs. And it's wonderful. Uh, you ask me, you say, well, Alliance, does your bank account uh, add up? It never does. Every month, my wife and I sit down. She says, honey, you need to look at the, look at the books. I hate, I hate numbers. I hate checkbooks. I hate looking at my I, I budget because it never, never is it in the black. It's always in the red. And we look up and I said, well, we'll go over all our, all our, all our bills we gotta pay and I'll say, well, I guess we'll have to trust the Lord again this month. Amen. You know what, every month the bills are paid. Don't ask me how, I don't know, I'm not an accountant, I couldn't explain if I was one. God has a way of supplying our needs. Hey, let me, let me challenge you. Try the Lord. Amen. Try the Lord. It's exciting. It's wonderful. It's, 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 you get enthused to understand that God hasn't forgotten about you and God hasn't forgotten about me. He knows exactly where we are and He can use you and use me by our faith promise giving. So we see the Master's plan. But then number two, uh, number two, in verse number 36, we see the, pa- the Master's passion. We see, but when He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. We need to have a compassion for others. Not, not just for uh, the lost, but we need to have a compassion for each other. We, we, we always focus our compassion toward the lost, and we ought to, and I'll get that in a minute. But understand, we need to love each other. We need to have a, a understand that we're part of the same family. We're on the same side. We're fighting the same battles. And we need to encourage each other as we fight and as we, as we get along and as we have a compassion for souls. But understand a house divided against itself cannot stand. We have to work together. We have to plow together because there's a vision. There's a lost world that's looking for some unity, looking for some church people, some Christians to say, hey, it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter where the world goes. We're going to be faithful. We're going to serve God. We're going to and be faithful to the end. Amen. Need to work together, help each other, encourage each other. We must see with our eyes. We must understand. While we were standing there in the hotel in Bangkok on the 18th floor, you look over the city. Eight, uh, over 12 million people. And I would venture to say 99 percent of them have no knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
Travel through Beijing, China, and you look over the multitudes of people, and your heart breaks. Who will reach these people? Europe is over 370 million people in Europe, and just in comparison, a handful of missionaries. Who will reach the Europeans for Christ? Africa, over one billion people in the continent of Africa. And it's one of the most evangelized continents in the world. But still, multitudes have never heard one time of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Our eyes must see. If I can encourage you, take a mission trip. Go visit a missionary. See what they go through. See what they live through. See the world through the missionary's eyes. And get the vision. Of a lost and dying world. We must see with our eyes, but then we must see with our hearts. Oh, our heart must, must be moved. How many times we see things in our heart is hard. Dr. Hudson used to stand up in the pulpit and he'd preach and he'd cry and he'd preach and he'd cry and he'd preach. He went to the Lord one day and said, Lord, this is embarrassing. I'm a grown man. I don't need to be crying. Can you please take away my tears? It's embarrassing. God answered his prayer. Took his tears away. But also his ministry began to dry up. For long, he went back to the Lord. He said, Lord, can you give me my tears back? Give me my compassion. Give me my heart. God gave it back to him. The church began to flourish again. Folks, we must have a heart. A heart for the loss. But then we must see with our will. It's one thing to see with my eyes. It's one thing to have a compassion. But what are we going to do in respect? Because when we see with our eyes and we see with our heart, it requires an action on our part. We can't sit, sit by and say, well, let someone else do it. Oh, they're a good candidate. It should be God. Here am I. Send me. Let me be involved. I never thought that serving God was, was, uh, was an option. I thought it was a privilege. I thought it was something everybody ought to do. Who, who wouldn't want to serve God? Man, that's, that's just like getting up and eating grits in the morning. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't have that up here. I mean, uh, eating a, what would you eat up here? Uh, Oh, uh, what, cream of wheat, something like that? I don't know. Uh, don't eat that either. Uh, you can tell I'm from the South. Amen. Uh, McDonald's biscuits. I don't know. Something like that. But it, it should be natural for the Christian just to be involved. Want to do something for God. Bob Pierce stated this, Let my heart be broken with the things that breaks God's heart. The Master's plan. The master's passion, number three, the master's plight, the master's plight, verse number 37. He said unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Oh, we stand in a world over seven, almost 7.2 billion people. There's a great demand for workers. I have not met one missionary that's come up to me and said, well, the lion's uh, please don't send missionaries to our country. We have plenty. We have enough. I've never met one missionary that's ever told me that. Every missionary that I've come across and, and I ask them, I say, how can I help you? They'll say, but the lions, can you finish the call to Thailand? Would you please pray that God will answer the call to Burma? Would you please answer to, ask somebody to come to Germany? Would you please ask somebody to come to France? Would you please ask somebody to come into Spain? We need help. We can't do it. There's not enough laborers. The demand is great. Demand is great. Thousands of people. 
But with that demand, we understand there's a great duty. There's a responsibility that lays on us. I believe that God has blessed America, not just because He wants to bless America. I believe He's blessed America because our foundations were sure and, and based on the Word of God. And there's people just like you, just like me, who have desired to do something with, uh, for, the, for God. Therefore, the duty rests on us. We have been given much. We've been, we've been dealt a good deck of cards. God requires of us responsibility and duty to do something about it. No longer can we sit idly by and do nothing. There's also a great deficit. There's a price to pay. Talk to pastor, and we're in colleges quite often. I was in a church in Virginia. I spoke in the high school chapel all week long in the during the missions conference. Begging the young people at a young age to give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ as rendered to missions. Finally, at the end of the week, I gave an invitation and several young people came forward and one of the boys seemed to stick out rather uh, above the others and we went down. The principal called me and said, this is, uh, I forgot what his name was. He said, he's, he's surrendered to missions and I went shook his hand. I said, my friend, I said, I'll be praying for you. And he kind of looked at me kind of funny. He said, well, Brother Lyons, he says, uh, I surrender my life to serve God, but I sure wherever he, he sends me, I hope they have internet. And I said, oh, we're putting limitations on God already, are we? That's not the kind of surrender we're looking for. I was at Missions Conference up in, or down from here, down in Delaware. And the pastor had an interview with the missionaries. He had, had it set up. He said, but Lions, I want to ask you one question. He said, what is it that's hindering missions today? Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> one word came to mind. Distractions. Satan has allowed distractions to come in our life to where we're no longer focused on God's will for our life. Oh, we've got to make the money and we've got to do this and we have the phone, we have the internet, we have this, that and the other. And we're so focused on doing everything else but doing God's will for our life. And out of way on our hearts. The, past, uh, the master's plight Harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Is your heart really broken? Are you really stirred up? Does missions really mean that much to you? We saw the flags come down and we say, well, man, how cute. But you realize the boys and girls that held those flags could be potential missionaries in the future? Potential pastors? That's potential for, for tomorrow. They're not just kids. They're people for whom... Young people whom God died sent His Son. And they can be future missionaries. Invest in them. Invest in your young people. You have parents that have children. Encourage your children to be missionaries. And to encourage your children to serve God. Encourage them to be a pastor. Oh, but the lions, but God might take them to Africa. Oh, praise God! You know what? I grew up there. It's a lame excuse. It's a good place to live. I've eaten monkey meat and snake. It never killed me yet, I don't think. They'll survive. Can I help you with this? Your son or daughter or grandchildren is safer in the center of Africa in the middle of God's will than staying here, here next to mommy out of God's will. How many of you ever prayed for your children? God, send my children to the mission field. How many of you ever prayed, God, use my children or my grandchildren? Oh, God, take my children, not my grandchildren. I'm sorry if the children go to the grandchildren, God, I go with them. I'm learning that. I'm a, I'm a granddad for the first time. I'm learning that. 
there's a plea. A plight, last of all, a master's plea, verse 38. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, he will send forth labors into his harvest. In contrast to what our former president said, I don't believe in a collective salvation. I believe in a personal salvation. I believe that if I was the only person, and if you were the only person in this world, that God so loved the world, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I believe that God would have sent His only begotten Son just for you or just for me. That's how much I believe God loves you and loves me. And as a result of that, He's sent out a plea to us. And it's a personal plea. It's a personal thing. When God called me, it was a personal thing. I believe that God has something for me uniquely that He wants me to do. I was taught, I was preaching a Saturday morning at a, at a uh, leadership conference in St. Augustine. And, and, I, and, and it killed me. Some of these missionaries come and they can sing and they can play the piano and, and they can do all this stuff. And, and I can't do that. Um, all my brothers got all the talent. They, 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 didn't, they can sing and they can play the guitar and they can play the piano. All I can do is preach. And I go to missions conference and say, Well, Lions, do you sing? <laughs> When I sing, angels weep. Amen. You know, that's not a good thing. But God designed me for who I am because He had a special call for me, and I can do what I can do. I can't be someone else. I have to be me. It was a personal call. God designed my call to fit me. But the same way, God has a unique call for you. It's designed to fit you, and God's not going to be unreasonable in His call to our life. You ever heard that verse talking about something about reasonable service? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because it's in Christ I do it, not in my own strength. Now, if I get in my strength, boy, I can, I can mess up. But when God's in control and I'm walking step and step with the Lord, man, I, we can do great things. There's a plea, it's a personal plea. It's a plea number two of priority. And there's nothing more important in life than God's call on your life. Your job is not over the will of God. Your, your house is not over God. Your, 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 your status in life is not over the will of God. The will of God must take number one in your life. You, and, and I'm not telling you this morning or this evening that God's going to call you to the mission field. I understand if everybody went to the mission field, White Oak Baptist Church would cease to exist. God's not calling everybody to go to the mission field, but He's calling everybody to do something. Some of you, he's calling to stay here and to be faithful and support your pastor and support this ministry, to get involved in faith promise giving, to help in your, to be involved in the ministries, helping the bus ministry, helping the children's ministry, helping the community, all the outreaches. That, 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 that's just as important of a call as us going across the ocean. Doing God's will. That's priority. That's number one in our life. It's a priority call. But then it's also a projected plea. God projects it out. He said, man, I want everybody to be involved. Amen. There's not a person in this building that has to sit on the sidelines and watch everybody else have the fun. We can all be involved. Do something. God wants you to be involved somewhere in serving Him. Amen. Somewhere. Amen. Somewhere. Find that niche. Get busy. You know what I found out about busy people? If you're busy serving God, you don't have any, much time to complain. But it's those that are, sit by, put their hands in their pocket, and want to watch everybody else work. 
They begin to complain because it's not done the way they want it done or this, that, and the other. You take your hands out of your pocket, but you get to work. You find all of a sudden there's no place to complain because you're busy investing in others. The master's plea. But I close with this. It's a pressing plea. I believe with all my heart that we're living in the last days. I believe that any moment the eastern sky could break, the trumpets can sound. And Jesus will come again to take us to be home. Man, I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward for the upper taker. I don't care about an undertaker. I don't care if I ever see an undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. I want to get a good start in going. But until Jesus comes, we realize we must be busy. It's pressing. There's a multitude of people who never heard. We must be involved. It's a plea. Please be involved. Someone stated the evangelism of the world wastes not on the readiness of God, but in the obedience of Christians. God's calling. It isn't a problem of God calling. He calls. But my question is, are we answering? The Great Commission is not an option to be considered it is a command to be obeyed, Hudson Taylor stated. F.E. Marsh, Marsh said, the will of God, nothing less, nothing more, nothing else. The will of God. I ask you tonight, as we conclude, if I were to come by each of your seats tonight, and you were honest, we're Christians, we're supposed to be honest, and I asked you today, March 20th, are you exactly where God wants you to be in your spiritual life? How would you answer? That's a sobering thought. Am I in the center of God's will today? Am I doing exactly what God wants me to do? Or am I fudging a little bit? I'm off to the side. I'm focused on other things. My priorities are wrong. I believe with all my heart, if 100% of White Oak Baptist Church was in the center of God's will, bam, this place would explode. Let's get in tune with God. Let's get in tune with God with our lies and our commitment, but also with our faith promise and our giving, our relationship with each other. But most of all, our relationship with an almighty God who loved us so much he gave the very best he had so that you and I could stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Because you know one day we're going to have to give an account for the life we've lived. We've lived. I want to go when I get to heaven I want to see marks against my name. I want to be said you know, Jonathan do a whole lot. Maybe he wasn't the greatest preacher but he was faithful. I find one requirement of Christians in the Word of God is require a student to be found what? Faithful. I may not be able to sing, but I can be faithful. I may not be able to give, able to give thousands of dollars, but I can be faithful. I might not be able to change the world by all my actions, but I can be faithful. And folks, let's learn to be faithful. And God will take us from there and let us be used in a way we can never imagine. Making missions 
manageable. When you look at it that way, man, it takes a whole light. We can have the privilege of being used of God. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. God working in your life.